Greetings in the precious name of Jesus. And we have so much to be thankful for. As we sang the song, Oh, how we love Jesus, because he first loved us. That gives us hope. That gives us something to be thankful for. As we look outside today, the sun's shining, and that we're, we're so blessed here as a people. You know, God has provided our every need. Do we have thanksgiving flowing from our hearts and our lives? Are we praising the one that provides everything for us, especially for salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord? The title of the message today is Look Up. Look Up. I think of Jesus' words where he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus makes that promise that he will come again. And sometimes we read the Bible and we know what it says, but do we really truly believe it? Am I expecting Jesus today? Do I believe that he could come back this morning for us? Am I thinking of that? It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Are we thinking today about Jesus coming back? Is that on the forefront of our mind? Peter wrote, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Do we fall in this category? It says, where is the promise of his coming? You know, we've been talking about Jesus coming back for a long time. And all things remain, continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So my challenge this morning is, am I expecting Jesus' return? Do I believe that his word is true? Am I ready for his return? How do I pray? I'm not sure who it was, but I heard a man share one time that he prays every day. When he, come, you know, he goes in to meet with the Lord, he said, Lord, I know today might be the day that you come back for me. Today might be the day that you come in the clouds to receive us. Do we pray that? Do we have that expectation that he's coming back soon? Do we live like he's coming today? Do we love like he's coming today? Their focus on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Turn with me today to Luke 21. As we look at 
the signs of his coming. These are our parallel passages with Matthew 24 and Mark 13. Yeah, I looked in the songbook today for Matthew 24. I don't, I don't, I couldn't find it in there. I would love to to sing that song. I can't think of how the words go, but it's, it starts out. I believe the day is coming when you, when Jesus is coming back. Luke 21. It says, and he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast into the offerings of God. But she of her penary hath cast in all the living that she had. And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, as for these things which you behold, the days will come in the which you shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? Here we see Jesus, and it says in Mark, I believe, that Peter, James, and Andrew, and John, maybe, he's here with his, some of his disciples. And they're by the temple, and they, they see rich men and widows casting their gifts into the treasury. And as Jesus is there with his disciples, he's, he's doing something. He's listening to his disciples in their conversation. And that's where we see in verse 5, it says, And some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. And I think this ties back to to what they were, they were casting their gifts into the treasury and the magnificence of the temple and everything that was in it. So why was Jesus listening to their conversation? Why was he interested in their conversation and what they had to say? Because he loved them and he cared about their future and he cares about our future. Did we ever think about that Jesus is listening to our conversation? He hears what we're saying. And I think he reprimanded his disciples this day. Here Jesus was in the last week of his life here on this earth. He had been walking and teaching these men for three years. Showing them the way. And as he's walking to his death, walking to the cross, where is their focus? It's not on their Lord and Savior. It says, as for these things which ye behold, they're focusing on things, not on him. Things. He says, these things will be destroyed. The days will come in which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they're talking about the temple here. And I, I read different things and heard different things about the big columns and the, the stones and the gold and everything that this was consisted of. And how their focus was there. They was beholding. They was looking at that. They had a real interest in that. 
He said, this is going to be flat. There won't be one stone upon another. That's how flat it'll be. And they immediately asked Jesus two questions. They said, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? Like they can't believe this, that this could get flattened and be destroyed. He spends the next 30 verses explaining in detail how, when this is going to happen and what the signs are going to be to them so that they will know and so that we will know when this earth and everything on this earth will be destroyed and Jesus comes back again. Now God gave us some other signs. I think this morning of, of the rainbow, especially when we, he says something like, I've set my bow in the clouds to remind us that he's not going to flood the earth again, but that he's going to send a fire the next time. So what are the signs that he gives to us today? Let's read from verse 8 down. It says, And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near. Go you not therefore after them. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilence, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. And when you shall see Jerusalem compass with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and not, not them that are in the countries enter thereunto. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and the wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So he's giving them their final instructions before he leaves this earth. He's saying, listen up. These are the things to watch for. It's going to be a sign that I'm going to return. He starts, I think he lists at least five different things here. And we'll just take a quick look at each one. In verse 8, it's deception. He says, take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. This is a sign that the time is drawing near. And we can read in, in Matthew 24, where it talks about to be, be careful, because there's many false prophets and shall be deceive many. 
It says, even the very elect. What does he, he gives them instructions. He tells them about all these things, but after each one, he gives them some instructions. He says, go you not therefore after them. Don't follow them. The next thing he addresses is destruction. In verse 9 and 10, he says, when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. What is it going on over in Ukraine and Russia as we, as we're here this morning and there's all kinds of wars and commotions and it seems like it keeps escalating. But what, is it, what does he say? Be not terrified. Be not terrified for these things must first come to pass but the end is not by and by. We need to keep our focus on Jesus Christ and trust him and continue to follow him. The next thing he comes, brings up in verse 11 is disaster and disease. It says, In great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilence, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. We don't know anything about famines in a physical sense here, but we, I think this could be a spiritual famine. The Bible talks about that. A lack of hunger and thirst for God and not, not feeding on his word. And we know there's also physical famines in this, in this world we live in. People starving, not having enough to eat. And this pestilence, I think, is diseases and plagues. We just came through a, a time of two years of COVID or three or whatever it was. And this disease that was all across the world. These will be signs. Signs that Jesus is returning. Can we trust God? Can we see it as that? Then he goes on to talk about persecution. It says, but before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and the prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for testimony. A couple weeks ago, there was a man here, and he was telling me about he was selected for jury duty. And he said as he, as he went down there, you know, we used to be able to turn in a paper that say we're, we're not willing to, to uh, stand for jury duty because of our beliefs and not being a judge. But now they won't, I don't think they'll accept that paper. And he said when he went into that courtroom and he was sitting there, the judge pointed his finger and said, you, stand up. I have some questions for you. And he questioned him about, about why he couldn't serve on the jury. He was standing before the ruler, before the judge. And he had a testimony that God gave him the words to speak. Just what he needed to say. And God gives us that promise. What does he say? He says, Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And how does he do that?
says, And when they bring you into the synagogues and into magistrates and powers, take you no thought or what thing you shall answer or what you shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. And that's found in Luke 12. And I believe that God can do that. He can give us the words to speak through the power of his Holy Ghost. You know, there's something intimidating. I don't know how many of you have been in a courtroom. Probably a lot of you have. But when you're standing there in front of that judge, it's intimidating. Or whenever you get pulled over by a police officer and he comes and he has questions for you, it's intimidating. But I want us to think this morning of when Jesus comes back. It says, every man shall give an account of himself. It says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. I'm thankful this morning that we don't have to stand before the judge alone. But we have an advocate. We have a mediator, Jesus Christ. That will stand for us if we've trusted him. persecution verse 16 it goes on to say and that's persecution from the outside sometimes it can come from the inside it says you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kin folks and friends and some of you shall they cause to be put to death are we expecting that are we experiencing that and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake I remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Do we feel blessed and are we rejoicing this morning in our persecution? There's a, then there's a but in verse 18. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. We can trust God in these times. He's got your hair. He's got your head. He's got your front. He's got your back. If we've surrendered our heart and life to him, we have nothing to worry about. These are all signs leading up to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says more in verse 25. He says, And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity of the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to Come to pass, then look up, and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And he spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree, and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye shall see these come to pass, know you that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away, till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away.
Are we good at recognizing signs? In the last month, the leaves have fallen off the trees. They turn brown. What do we know about that? That's a sign of what? It's a sign that's getting ready to be cold. That fall and winter are here. Do we recognize that kind of sign? And here he talks about the fig tree and all the trees. He says, when you see the, them shoot forth, whenever you see the buds and the blossoms start to come out in March, what's that a sign of? We know it's getting ready to warm up. Summertime is here. But Jesus says, do you recognize those signs? What about the signs that I'm giving you of my return? The signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. There's been so many in the last, I'm not sure how many years, a total eclipse where the sun was darkened, blocked out, and the moon had a lunar eclipse the other, a week ago or whatever it was. Do we recognize them as signs? Do they remind us that Jesus is coming back? Jesus is returning soon. And I guess this, verse 25, where it says, well, it says that, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity and the sea and waves roaring. You know, there's, I think, twice, maybe at least twice, I'm not even, can't remember what the names of the hurricanes were that, that hit down in Florida this year. And I heard people testify, it sounded like a roar. You know, it was the wind and the, and the sea, it just was a total roar. Is that enough to remind us that Jesus is coming back? Verse 26, men's heart failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Men's heart failing them for fear. Have we ever seen a more fearful group of people than what we live in today? And what could this be when men's hearts are failing? Why is there so much suicide? People giving up. Worried about the things that are to come. And we know all these things must happen before Jesus can come again. Verse 27 is the climax. It says, and then, shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory? That great day when Jesus returns and fulfills that promise that I'm coming again to receive you, that where I am, there you may be also. Reminded of the verse in Thessalonians where it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And then shall you see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. My thoughts go to Jesus' ascension 
in Acts 1, it says that, And when they had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He disappeared into a cloud, and he's coming back in a cloud. And those men were looking steadfastly toward heaven. It says they were gazing up into heaven. Are we looking steadfastly into the heavens, gazing into heaven, expecting him to reappear in a cloud with power and great glory? It says he's going to. And God's word is true, so we, we need to believe it. We need to spend time looking up. In verse 28 is where I get the title of the message. It says, When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. For those who have trusted him and are looking for him, it says, Your redemption draweth nigh. The time when we can go to be with him is here. That moment in a twinkling of an eye when we'll be changed. And it says, he will return in a cloud with power and great glory. The first time that Jesus came as a babe in Bethlehem, not many people recognized him. Not many people knew that he came. But I don't think any of us are going to not know if we're still on this earth. He's going to come with power and with great glory. There's going to be no mistaking that Jesus is here. Like I already read in Philippians, that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In Luke 21, in verse, we'll read the rest of the verses yet. It says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare it shall come, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, and at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. So final instruction to us. Take heed to yourselves, it says in verse 34. Take heed to yourselves. Be careful. Be alert. Be vigilant. Lest at any times your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares this life. And I believe that's simply being overcome by the, care, the, the things of this world and the cares of this life in a way that it distracts us from the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. If we don't take heed to ourselves, then I believe that the day will come upon us unawares. It's something that's going to happen and we're not going to be ready. 
Then he says in verse 36, watch ye therefore. Watch ye therefore. Are we watching? Are we waiting? Are we expecting Jesus Christ to return soon? And then it says, and pray always. Pray always. And it doesn't say what Jesus did. It says in the daytime he was teaching in the temple and at night he went out. And he abode in the mouth that is called the Mount of Olives. I believe he was our example in praying always. And if we are taking heed, if we are watching, if we're praying always, then we're going to be able to stand before the Son of Man. Philippians 5, I would like to close with a couple verses there. Maybe it was Philippians 2. Philippians 2. I've already... read this, it says, verse 9, it says, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as I, in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation, with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God which, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I may not run in vain, neither labor in vain, Yea, and if I be offered upon a sacrifice in service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. Are we looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? As he sends these signs each and every day, are they reminders to us? Are we looking up? He said, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Let us continue to look up to Jesus and trust in him for our salvation. Let's kneel for prayer. worship you and to sing songs of praise and to look at, into your word. Lord, we look at these promises that have been left back. Maybe some that we didn't get read. The promise that you're coming again to receive us that we can go to you forever and ever. Lord, help us all to just be reminded of this each day that your return is not. Lord, that your word says that no man knoweth the hour, but you own it. But still, Lord, we need to be watching and waiting and praying and preparing for that great and notable day.
Lord, we pray for each person that's here today. We pray for those who couldn't be here. May we just shine as lights in this nation. Help us to be salt and light. Fill us with your spirit. We can make a difference for you and your kingdom. And it's only through you and you alone. We thank you most of all for the plan of salvation that you've taken us on. That you are our mediator. You're our advocate. We can trust you. Thank you, we praise you.